Brother Stephen, if you'd like to come. And then Brother Travis, one more hymn, then Brother Jonathan, and then Brother Jeff. You know, I'm thankful the Lord gives gifts to men. And one of them is the gift to speak, and one of them is to be a preacher and a teacher. I'm thankful for that. I'm sorry that I have to require a little bit more of you this day because I'm not so gifted. I'm going to be reading from my notes a lot. But you know what? What my brother said is correct, is that the Lord has chosen me, I hate to say that, to be speaking to you right now. So whatever I say, match it up with the Word of God. If I'm wrong, throw it away. Don't listen to it. But if it's right, it's the Word of the Lord to you this day. Amen. So think about that. We have a sovereign God. We believe in our sovereign God. We know He puts everything in according to His will. Right. So I'm thankful. So bear up with me and uh, pay attention. I see everybody's great attention. I'm very thankful for that. Let's serve our Lord, our God, in the way that we hear and apply His Word. Right. What I'm going to speak about today is something that applies to all of us. It's bitterness. Bitterness will destroy you. It can destroy you if you let it. There's all sorts of relationships that we have. We have husband to wife and wife to husband. We have parent to children, children amongst themselves and how you are in the family, in, in the workplace. Those are all relationships we have. A lot of bitterness seems to uh, revolve around authority, either resenting authority or how authority is, is done. But listen up. Listen up to what the Bible has to say about bitterness. Let's look at the definition of bitterness. Intense animosity or bitterness, a sharp, irritating bitterness or of disposition or manner. Bitter, obnoxious or irritating to the taste, disagreeable to the palate, the opposite of sweet. You know, it, it involves revenge and hatred, envy and covetousness, cursing, anger and criticism and trouble. Bitterness is a soul and heart soured and made bitter by harboring animosity, envy, resentment, disappointment, revenge, unforgiveness, and grudges for another's offenses that result in an unhappy and critical and unkind and discontented disposition and outlook toward the offending party or in life. Big, big long definition, but you guys know what bitterness is. The symptoms. James tells us, criticizing and complaining speech indicates bitterness. So do you have a complaining speech? Do you complain? Strife, envy, harshness, disagreeable are further symptoms. You know, bitterness is the opposite of being peaceable, gentle, easily entreated, a merciful spirit. Bitterness is the opposite of a kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving spirit, as Ephesians would tell us. Bitterness is the holding of sins against others and not giving full forgiveness, not fully forgiving somebody, not forgetting offenses, wanting to bring it up at a later date. The problem, James tells us what the problem is, is we have strong lusts of our hearts that freely choose. We choose bitterness and fighting over love and peace. James 4, 1 says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Right. Bitterness grows. It does not stay the same. 
if we don't destroy it, if we don't put it away, if we don't cut it out, it'll destroy you. It'll keep on growing. Marriages are destroyed by this enemy as spouses allow seeds of bitterness to grow. Marriage is a personal and intimate relationship where we see each other's faults. When you're at home, you're going to see everybody's faults, whether it's a husband to a wife, husband to a spouse or to a wife, children to, to other children. You'll see the faults of your father. You'll see the faults of your mother. Parents and children often have bitterness between them from intimacy and authority. Well, let's look at God's commandments about it. The commandment. God has spoken. We must replace bitterness with tender-hearted forgiveness. That's in Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. God has spoken about the relationship to your wives. Husbands must love their wives without bitterness. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. God has spoken. Bitterness, hatred, and anger break the sixth commandment. That whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. God has spoken. True Christians love one another. In bitterness, free charity. What's charity? Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things. Hopeth all things and endureth all things. What's the cure for bitterness? Jesus Christ gives us more grace. He gives us the victors to be to overcome this wickedness. Here's some cures. Identify your bitterness by examining your heart and soul and find any critical thinking. And as we've been told, stop thinking about things and start giving God thanks. Be a thankful person. Let thanks come out of your mouth. Replace, replace that bitter thinking with service, prayer, and blessing and love for those whom, whom you have the hatred or you have that bitterness to. You know, you can set your affections. The Lord tells us to set our affections. He tells us to let us set our affections on things above. But we can also set our affections on those. And I'm speaking like in a spousal relationship. Choose to love your spouse. It's a commandment. You have to do it anyway. But make that choice. Do it gladly, happily, as unto the Lord. Offenses must be, cannot be totally ignored. They must be resolved, and they must be resolved through confrontation. But you know what? The Lord tells us how to do that in Matthew 18. You know, if a brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou shalt gain yourself a brother. It's a beautiful promise the Lord has for us. No one likes confrontations, but you got to do it because if you don't, it'll just keep on going. And, and again, bit, bitterness will grow and grow and grow. You've got to kill it and put it to death. Husbands and fathers must take a lead role in eradicating hatred or bitterness in the household. It's their responsibility. It's the position the Lord has put you in. And I like James five sixteen. 
you know, confess your, it says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed, prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Amen. I should have read that last part first because we all know that. That's what we're talking about in bitterness when you confess your faults one to another. You know, you can save a a sinner from, from death and hide a multitude of sins. I wanted to read that other part because sometimes we think that's a tough chore. It's a tough thing. Bitterness can be, especially if they haven't been dealt with for a while. What does a righteous man do? He prays. He gives the example. Elijah prayed for it. So that's what we should do. So we should take the time. What I'm asking you guys to do is look. Is there any bitterness in your heart in any relationship that you have, period? Have a call to action. If there is, if you look inside your heart, is there any bitterness there? If there's anything in your family, anything that you're responsible for? I want you to be a Phinehas. That's my call to action to you. You remember Phinehas? He was told, Numbers 25 says, And Israel joined himself unto Baal-peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal-peor. What happens next? Right after those words, pretty much out of Moses' mouth, what happens next? One of the children of Israel come and brought unto his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel. And he takes a a Midianite woman, goes into the tent and starts having sex with her. Right. What does the rest of the Israel do? They're weeping at the tent. They heard the words of Moses. They heard them. They said, those are good. We should do them. And they didn't do anything about it. Phinehas, on the other hand, took up a javelin and went and he did something about it. Right. So that's what I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do is take action. If right. there's any bitterness, if there's any bitterness in your heart, be a Phinehas and take up the javelin and address it. And the Lord will bless you. I like Phinehas because he took action on what? was preach what was told to him from the Lord, from Moses. And he also tells us that Phinehas had a blessing on that. He says, I, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Right. Bitterness will destroy you unless you destroy it. We're in a warfare. Be, be a Phinehas. If there's any bitterness in your life, I pray that you'll take a javelin and put it and kill it and put it to death for the glory of God. And he will give you an everlasting peace because our God is good. Amen. Praise be to our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, all glory, dominion and honor. And might belong to your name, O Lord. Lord, we are thankful, Lord. And I am 
particular thankful right now, Lord, that I can be up here and that I can open up your word to your people. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive all of us of our sins, Lord. Forgive us for ever being bitter or envious or having hatred towards one another. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you help us through our temptations. And may we be more than conquerors through you. And I just pray, Lord, that the reading of your word would penetrate the hearts of your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I was when I was offered to to do this, I I uh, um I was reading in certain passages of scripture, and it was really refreshing to me. It was, I, and I, I I know you, most of you, or all of you, have had this where the Holy Spirit, you know, you read a passage of scripture, and it it's like brand new to you. There's something, I mean, maybe in that passage that you just maybe glanced by and didn't see or you did see and it, and it just all of a sudden it's just new again and refreshing and it's like brand new cold water cold water after a hot summer day you know it's it's like being famished and, and eating some bread and uh that happened to me this week and i was thankful to be offered to do this and so i so i took the opportunity and um i'm going to just read a few passages of scriptures and i just want the main focus to be you know, for you all to just say within yourselves, you know, and if you're honest with yourselves, you'll say you will say this, that we are tempted. Right. Um, and we sometimes fail. Right. Um, but there is a way out of temptation. Amen. And we have a high priest. That's right. We have a helper. We have an advocate with the father. Amen. If we do fail. And this is what I really wanted to get the focus of, because you can get, take the focus off of that in these passages, because there's so many really good focuses in these passages. But, uh, Hebrews 1, 14 through 18. And I'm just going to read and, and, and that will be the end of it. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to us all. 13 through 15, Hebrews chapter 1. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. I'm sorry. James 1. I, I, I messed up there. James 1, 13 through 15. Excuse me. <laughs> Let no man say when he is tempted... I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Remember that last verse, that it bringeth forth death. Now turn over to Hebrews 1, 14 through 18. For as much then as the children 
are partakers of flesh and blood. He also himself, likewise, took part of the same. That through death, he might destroy him that had power of the death of death. That is the devil. And deliver them who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And James 4, verse 3 through 12. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn. And weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You can turn to Matthew 25 if you'd like. We've enjoyed considering recently the prospects of the coming of Christ. And uh, especially the fact that it could be any day now. And I'd just like to remind us through the reading of a couple passages of one event that coincides with the second coming of Christ. And that is uh, the fact that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. I'll start reading in uh, Matthew 25, verse 14, and read this parable that is somewhat of a depiction of that event. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one 
went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Let me stop for a second. We might uh, realize at some point in our lives that we're not as gifted as some other people are. And upon realizing that, we perhaps ought not to think of ourselves as one-talent Christians. And the reason why we shouldn't think that is because the one-talent Christian tends to excuse himself from his duties. He tends to not expect very much from himself because he knows he only got one talent. So at most, he should only produce one more besides that. And one doesn't sound like a very big number. So I would exhort us to not think of ourselves as one-talent Christians, even if we think we are. The point here isn't how much they were given. The point is what they did with what they got. We're picking up in verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. And behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take, therefore, the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents, for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Notice that this wicked and slothful servant is called unprofitable. The point being that we were purchased for a reason. And the reason is to give profit to the kingdom of God. Amen. I'll turn over to Romans chapter 12. Actually, no, Romans 13. Continuing along the, the thought that the coming of the Lord could be at any time now, and it's likely very soon. We don't have very much time left to give him the return on his investment. So if we haven't done very much, then it's time to get to work. Romans 13. I'll, I'll read from verse 11 to the end of the chapter. And that, knowing the time... That now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. 
The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. If you'll remember back to Stephen's opening remarks before he even started teaching, uh, amen to everything he said. This, this is intimidating, and I don't think anybody misses our pastor more or is more thankful for him than when you're trying to prepare something useful and beneficial to present up here as our pastor does week in and week out. Uh, also, as Stephen mentioned, you're, you're going to find me reading quite a bit. And in spite of the criticism of our president, the teleprompter is one neat, witty invention. Right. allows you to read and still have eye contact with your audience. Um, I'm going to use some, make some of the same points, some that Stephen made, some of the same passages. What I have, I hope, is a practical exhortation and admonition where it's needed. And I'm going to start off asking an unusual question. Do you want to leave our church? This is to me, it's to every adult in here, every child in here, even the children that aren't yet members. This is nothing new. It's all familiar passages. And it's by no means exhaustive. Much, much more could be added. Lord, bless anything that's true. Pardon any error. The church is not an end, but a means to serving the Lord. It is subordinate and must be subordinate to the Lord in his revealed word. We are not church worshipers. But it is the Lord's ordained vehicle for corporate worship in all of its aspects. Teaching, edifying, praise, and fellowship, just to name a few. The church and its pastors are highly exalted in an integral part of our salvation in our earthly pilgrimage. A church following the due order is a little bit of heaven on this earth. Some of the reasons why people leave the church or think they want to leave the church, and I'd like to think most of us are lying if we think we haven't ever had those seeds spring up in our minds. Giving place to the devil. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. In 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Let those seeds grow at all, and the devil will eat you up. The world, your flesh, and the devil will give you more than enough reasons. We have seen many excuses from being relieved from the time and the giving obligation that we have as church members to going to a larger, more entertaining, popular, and accepted, and I put accepted in quotation marks, church, to going after heresy, to going after a guy or a girl, to reacting against members or the pastor. 
going to ask some questions. Have you lost your first love? Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We owe God everything, right. everything, all of our love, our whole lives, everything. Amen. Right. Have you lost your love for the truth? Second Thessalonians says in, in Chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Those that have left us, we have seen them go down in a spiral that's unbelievable uh, being deluded receiving that strong delusion are you living righteously what are your inputs you've, you've heard this so often what are your affections are you having devotions personal prayer who are your friends what is the music you listen to what do you do with your television movies what are your conversations like? First Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Right. Are you offended by brethren? In our welcome that you hear almost every Sunday to any visitors, we say, If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you are among friends. But then normally Brother Newell or a pastor go on to say, but that you're among a bunch of other sinners just like you. And we've always got to remember that. We're all sinners. Right. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Amen. You know, Friday night, somebody someplace in this country probably scored five touchdowns individually. And you say, what a glory. But that's nothing compared to passing over a transgression. And we've got to do that. We've got right. to do that. And probably for every one that, some, that, that we do, probably somebody else has done a hundred for us. Because we're all guilty. You already heard this read, but I'm going to read it again because it's worth reading. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, and then verse 13. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And then a few verses down, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. We must have love. We must have love. There was a song a few years ago that said, love will keep us together. It was a vain song, but it's so true among this congregation. Love is the only thing that will keep us together. We're natural haters. We're natural liars. We love ourselves the most, but we've got to love others. We're also admonished to, 
to be reconciled to every member in this body before we take the sit at the Lord's table. We've got to remember that. If you've got something against somebody or you know they've got a problem with you, you've got to keep it reconciled. If we do that every time we have communion, we ought to do it constantly, even more often. It's going to keep us together and keep us with right relationships reconciled. Are you offended by the pastor? Did he step on your toes, your family members' toes, your friends' toes? Second Timothy 4.2 tells our pastor what he's supposed to do. It says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Amen. Our pastor is told to be pressing. That is his job. Right. Is he going to offend us? Yeah, he's going to offend us sometimes. Do we need it? We sure do. Amen. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. They watch for your souls. Who could ask for any more for anybody to do for us? As they that, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. Most of us read this last Saturday night. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and be este- and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. There's a common expression that says, give them the benefit of the doubt. We need to always give our pastor the benefit of the doubt. Personally, I don't, I don't have any doubt. The, the man studies the word so thoroughly, compares scripture, reads and reads and reads. And he gives himself more doubt than any of us ever could. But we need to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's our pastor. He's our leader. We're told to follow him. If, if you have a scripture, then go to him. Right. Uh, every time we take in a new member, we're reminded of what we need to do. If, if we have a problem with something, uh, no sedition, absolutely no sedition, talking amongst ourselves, but go to our pastor and settle it. Right. Right. Um, the benefit of the doubt. In conclusion, and in, in a few more remedies... If you ever have these seeds of doubt in your mind and think you want to leave the church, and like I said, the devil will take over from there if you let him in. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart. Be humble. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. In dealing with each other. Proverbs 16:18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. And we've seen many fall. Be simple, part of being humble. Lady Wisdom says in Proverbs 9, 4 through 6, a call to the simple. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Be content. 
First Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Right. Psalm 122, 6 says, and if you're praying for something, it's pretty hard to have problems with it. But First Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm sorry, I've said that already. Psalm 122.6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. This is Jerusalem. This is the new Jerusalem on this earth. Our church. Think about those who have left homes, family, and jobs to be a part of us. Why did they make these sacrifices? Why did they come all these distances? Why did they leave loved ones miles away? They, they did it for some reason. Value what we have here. And the last thing I have to say is just may the Lord have mercy upon us. Amen. Bitterness will destroy you. The fact that we will face temptations, but that we have a great advocate, our Lord Jesus Christ who can help us through them all. A reminder that we will stand before Christ's judgment seat. We want to make sure the Lord is a great economist. He's expecting a return. And let's make sure we're giving it. I love that point about a one-talent Christian. Let's make sure we're maximizing whatever talents the Lord's given us. And I love what you said, Brother Jeff. It's on the same lines of what our pastor says to anybody who joins our congregation. Are you sure you want to do this? There's a price to pay to be a child of God in obedience not a price to pay that we have to pay to be a child of God, but you want to be an obedient child who's in fellowship with him and his children. There's a price you've got to pay. Excellent exhortations, excellent reminders from Scripture. I'm very thankful to be in a congregation where there are men who have the understanding and the desire to bring these things forward for the people today. We have been blessed today, brethren. The Lord has been with us. Let's all stand and be dismissed with a brief word of prayer. Glorious Father, we're so thankful for your goodness and kindness that you've shown to us once again this day. Thank you, Lord, for the spiritual food that you provided for us. May we go forth from this place And be doers of thy word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Lord, grant that we would leave for the better and not for the worse. And even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, to take us home to be with you. If you, for any amount of time that you tarry, help us, Father, that we would be the diligent servants of thine, occupying until you come. Bless us, Lord, as we go forth and help us that we might do your will. For it's in Jesus' blessed name we ask these things. Amen. 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 You are dismissed.